Your digital library experience. Podcasts from algoafm.co.za. Now, you know how much we love diving into docu-series, true crime docu-series, and this one's a little bit different. It has launched already. It's on CBS Justice Original, available now on DSTV Catch-Up. It's Donald McIntyre, A Life in Crime. Now, for over 30 years, Donald McIntyre has worked as an investigative reporter. He's been shot at, beaten, and forced to move house more times than he can remember. He's been an undercover reporter over 50 times, secretly embedding with corrupt businesses, gangsters, and criminals and made documentaries and many true crime series with the full agreement of some of Britain's most dangerous men. His work has led him to become a criminologist, digging into the reasons why criminals commit some of the most atrocious crimes. And today, we get the opportunity to chat to Donald McIntyre himself. Donald, it's an honour. You've had quite a life so far. Well, as I keep telling my kids, and they're completely bored by it. No, I've been very, uh, I've been, uh, very excited. I mean, in many ways, it's kind of an accidental uh, journey. I started out um, being uh, growing up in Ireland, being obsessed by BBC World Service and mm. uh, having that on the landscape. But you know, um, I suppose I was always very happy to kind of push the boat out, go that one step further. And when I got into investigative journalism, then um, crime and uh, uh, war zones and crime. Mm. And I'm reminded that the head of the BBC when I joined. Um, uh, Peter Salmon said to me, really, Donald, you're only really any good or you're at your best when your life is in severe jeopardy. <laughs> and so anyway, so that maybe was my mantra for moving forward. Mm. And you have given us quite a bit since the 90s. We have McIntyre Undercover, a very British gangster, McIntyre's Underworld, Unsolved, Killer ev- Evidence, Murder Files. So there's quite a bit of, of you know notable credits. But this project that you're working on is completely different. It's now about you. Well, I didn't want to do this. And I kept saying, <laughs> guys, signing me off to the mausoleum, right? This is This is something that you put together when somebody has passed away, when maybe all my enemies <laughs> caught up with me. But no, so I was resistant to it because it's, you know, uh, uh, listen, I'll talk to anybody, you know, mm. and because I'm Irish and uh, a bit of Irish American, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, literally, um, I, it's always my privilege to meet people in the streets that they say I've watched a program and it's an honor. The, uh, and so I'm very relaxed and chilled. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I would prefer if this program was not made because <laughs> I, I just because it's not the thing about it is uh, I, I get it that um, uh, I've led an exciting life and it's I wanted this and I in many ways for CBS who've been terrific mm. with me um, I did it for them because their viewers they wanted to understand a little bit about me and I know too much about me so I didn't want to <laughs> I just I want to move on to the next thing but CBS many ways harnessed my journey and and CBS Justice harnessed my journey from mm. being kind of investigative reporter somebody who would go undercover and hold the journalist to account covertly to filming a la Louis Theroux directly with them with the cooperation mm. and uh uh and um I remember the 20 I was over in was it was it Joburg or, or uh, Cape Town with the 27s and my bazaar uh, uh, over there doing some work over over your neck of the woods. Mm. And I was basically uh, so I was kind of. Uh, my journey in, as into criminology has been my journey with the true crime audience with CBS over the last 10 and 12 and 13 years. And we've grown together and increasing the audience used to start out with blues and twos, mm. everything 
flashing lights was good and everything with criminals was bad. Uh, that hasn't particularly changed, but people want to understand the nuance of that. And so journalistically also, I joined forces uh, with CBS and we started to kind of thinking more in depth and giving the audience what they want. But myself and the audience, I always feel we've joined, been on the road together. And so that's kind of uh, why I've entered the world of criminology and why we've had the killer evidence and why we've had, mm. you know, uh, others and their murderers, all this kind of alternative looks at crime and the reasons why. But no, I've been very grateful for it. But as I say, the only one person who didn't want to see it <laughs> was me. It was... I'm like, but I, but I, I, I'm, I'm grateful. They've done a great job and mm. I work with the team. But, you know, uh, yeah, it's I'm it's something that. different. But I actually wanted to dive into that, you know, with uh, criminology. You now digging into, you know, why criminals commit the crimes they do, and and how's that experience been for you? Is it quite different to when you were just reporting? Well, I think because I was never quite just reporting, I always mm. kind of got more immersed into it. So there are some jobs when you kind of are kind of you're given a script and you move on, you meet people straight on interviews like a new presenter. And I've done news presenting. And there are some jobs when you're a little more immersed and there's some jobs when you're undercover. But but when you get up close and personal with very kind of uh, dangerous offenders and you're seeing how they tick and you're seeing also um what makes them a successful businessman in that arena would and you're asking the questions would they succeed in any other arena and a mm. lot of them really would succeed in business in a whole other uh, um, kind of business arenas and shares and business because they're driven by you know the art of the deal they're driven by cash and ac acquisition but they're probably born in circumstances or brought up in circles where mm. they're the commodity of choice is drugs and crime and and they they lend their expertise to that um so it's interesting to see and to break down their characters it's also really interesting to meet inmates who are like that really entrepreneurial gangsters and criminals and then wonder you know you've spent 30 years in prison have they changed a single iota and in some cases they don't they mm. come out of prison exactly the same and then others are like in one of the programs simon morley who's a uh, uh, was a former drug dealer and a bouncer and uh, involved in high-grade crime mm. i discovered him when i went undercover in nottingham as a bouncer and kind of revealed the drug trade in that english city for bbc for itv's world in action mm. and so we're 27 years on from that and in the film we we meet and uh, he's now working uh, specifically with young offenders yeah. and harnessing them and, and very difficult, hard to reach. And we were so we met for the film and we've just connected and we've we're now we hosted a, con uh, a conference with Barnardo's, the children's charity um, in the UK last week up in Nottingham. And uh, so it's really nice that because I'm always open to yes. a conversation ex-criminals even to the criminals i mean simon wanted to uh turned up at my house after i'd exposed him and he wanted you know to kill me it was there was a a death threat what? On my, on, on <laughs> and so but actually so when we were at the conference last week he said we shouldn't be in the same room but the mm -hmm. fact that kudos to him and maybe a slap in the back to me that we were always both open to the conversation. And now we can work together with young offenders in our spare time to kind of uh, maybe, you know, uh, give something a little bit back. Mm. So, yeah, it's, a, it's been a strange road. It's been a strange road. And, and you you mentioned these things. And like you said in the beginning, you know, they ask you, why would you put your life through this? Has there ever been a moment where you're like, yeah, you know, I think I'm done with this life? 
Or were you just like, this is my passion. This is what I like. This is what I want to get into. And I'll most likely be doing this forever. Well, a lot of the danger was related to undercover stuff or even afterwards. Some of the documentaries I've done uh, where um, we've gone and we've bought uh, kind of, you know, arms and undercover. We bought arms of very dangerous people. Mm. Uh, But I'm trying to think. Well, the most dangerous thing I ever did, really, the most terrifying thing I ever did mm. was for a BBC weather series. And it was basically they asked me to jump out of, to jump out of a helicopter and to land on the Arctic ice cap. And then we were to then cut to the scene. And then I was going to dive under the Arctic ice cap and snorkel. Um, and we were going to uh, for, for a sequence. And uh, uh I hadn't parachuted before, but I told them I had, and I learned to parachute. I went for a weekend in skydive the land in, in Florida and, and came back. Anyway, so they threw me out of a helicopter at 15,000 feet over in near Svalbard in the in the Arctic Circle. Mm. And I read an article beforehand that a couple of people in the Chilean Andes uh, were parachuting and they bounced, so they died because of the cold temperatures. So I was terrified, oh, right? but I said to myself, OK, the clouds were going to come in. And the weather was terrible. But then when it came to the moment for, for me to actually jump, the, the, honestly, the sky cleared. It was blue skies and shun, sunshine. So I had to jump five times. But each time I jumped, I said to myself, and this was about um, 2003, 2004. I said, OK, I've lived a, a, a busy life. Yes. If it comes to this. And I gulped and I jumped and, of course, it was fine. But uh, so that was probably the most terrifying thing. There have been times when I bought arms in the former Yugoslavia and, Mm. you know, you walk that plank when you're undercover. And it's obviously a huge team, sometimes small team, big team. But sometimes in some certainly some of those undercover operations, Mm. you would walk that plank by yourself. So it reminds you as the leader, as the front of house, to walk that single plank, to go into that single area of danger, and you have no safety net except your guile and experience. And so that is when you do feel most alive. You're like, hmm. <laughs> and when I gave up the work because I was too well known, the interesting thing about that is that it's like an athlete retiring. I knew I was really good at that. I knew I had the budget to do better and probably mm. at the higher standard as anybody else on the planet so you knew that in relation to that you weren't Usain Bolt but you were definitely you know you were definitely Olympic standard in undercover filming <laughs> yes and, that is uh, true performing. but when you had to retire it's like mm, you know so then you become uh, you know you know I, I did some news reporting I was ter- presenting I was a terrible news presenter but I was <laughs> so then I come back down and you find a different way of telling stories mm. and engaging the audience you know but I do miss uh, a little bit of that uh, of that war zone. It's not adrenaline, but it's just actually being uh, being placed in a situation where that Formula One concentration, where you're required, where the things mm. you do, each little uh, a facial tick, a smile, a hand gesture, that's the difference between whether someone's going to uh, lift their gun up and shoot you or not, or let you through a checkpoint or whatever. These are the interesting points. But that kind of that's that that level of danger is kind of no longer part of my life okay well that's that's good to know <laughs> i'm sure you know you might be very happy about that but can we can we dive into the this new project now because you you said that you didn't want to do it but it's quite personal it's really yeah. getting into your life and yeah. do they do we what can we expect do we expect you really opening up and and talking about your feelings towards certain criminals you know what can we expect 
Well, I think it's kind of it runs the gamut from very serious and very dangerous kind of recollections of events and and the highlights showreel to work in a care home and uh, to move having to move house. But uh, uh, because uh, I've been around uh, this landscape for quite a long while, we I kind of. Uh, the people I meet uh, hmm. along the way who've been part of my story, uh, like Simon Morley before, but also Professor David Wilson, who um, brought me into uh, uh, Birmingham City University uh, as a criminologist. And he's an eminent crime profiler and a kind of a stalwart of true crime in Europe and uh, across the globe. Hmm. And, and so he was interviewing me and challenging me about these issues and what it means to them, challenging me uh, about, say, why did I go and seek out um uh, uh dominic noonan for example in a very british gangster and we discussed then the issues around that program so i was it was a journey with friends mm. along familiar territory so um naturally uh, uh, well i'm being rep it, uh, they're interviewing me yes. and uh so i'm obviously you know trying to be you know uh, say as little as possible. Uh, no, I'm trying. No, they, they know my secrets. They know who I am. So I think it's a it's a fair enough portrait. I, I didn't literally. They put it together. I helped them voice it over. But I'm. I didn't really want to see it in a run. And then when I saw it on the run, I thought, well, you know, the guys at CBS and uh, Emporium, they did a good job. You know. Mm. So. Uh, and how long did it take? There. How long did it take? Well, it was about a year. But a lot. A lot of the you know the work. It, it's. It spans back to the first undercover job I ever did, which was for the BBC uh, in uh, when I went undercover as a as a uh, canoeist after four children died in the Lime Bay disaster in 1994, mm -hmm. and uh, all the way to when I was living in a crack house, going undercover as a football hooligan into the world of high fashion, um, and you know. The thing about it is, is that I have a, you know, I'm a, most journalists, they have a fantastic array, ability to talk about everything to a rather thin degree, but enough to get you through a dinner table conversation. Yes. Because of my bizarre life, I have niche expertise in the world of high fashion or buying arms yeah. or, you know, you know, uh, investigating the world of body, body part sales. So all these little niche little areas. But and we traveled some of that ground. So, no, it was it was a little bit of therapy for me. Mm. Uh, I think that the, uh, it's a little treat to the audience and also a, a thank you really to the channel and the CBS uh, team and, and obviously the CBS audience to say, OK, this is a little bit of why I do what I do. And uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know. I would only really have ever done this with the CBS team. I kind of got kind of owed it to them. So I wasn't looking for some hagiography, uh, some slap yes. in the back, some ego boost. You know, <laughs> I'm very happy, oddly enough, as a television presenter, to see back into the background and uh, and just do your job. <laughs> Oh, That's it. Well, before before you leave, I I wanted to know for for the festivities. I mean, we're entering into the holiday season. Will you be at home? You know, do you have any plans? Yeah, well, I'm going to be uh, at home in the UK. The, the usual Santa stuff, decorations. Uh, I'm a bit behind on them, but the advent calendars are out. And then I'm going to go to Ireland for a couple of days and see my family there. And we tend to congregate there. So, uh, yeah, same old. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm a fan of Christmas and the festivities. So uh, I'm going to enjoy that. Well, Donald McIntyre, it has been an honor to chat to you and to find out about your crazy adventurous life. And we are wishing you nothing but the best and an awesome festive holiday season. And to you, and thanks very much for having me. It's great. Your digital library experience. 
podcasts from algoafm.co.za.